there, my name is Zoe Burrows and welcome to Speaking Broadly. I'm here joined today by Bryony Smith, our very own digital marketer, who has recently had a very interesting discussion with the head of Compass Coffee Brands, Steve Lovegrove. Welcome Bryony. Hello there Zoe. So Bryony, how did this conversation come about? Well, first of all, I love coffee. So when I heard that Compass had introduced these two new coffee concepts, uh, I was already intrigued. During some uh, internal training that we had here at Broadly, um, there was this kind of realisation from us all uh, that the new concepts had brought quite a paramount level of innovation behind the scenes, uh, which begged to be explored. So I contacted Steve and here we are. Fantastic. Well, I've only heard snippets so far, but what I've heard so far sounds very interesting. So should we get stuck into it? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with, you know, I mean, basically, as, we, as we've spoken about prior to now, um, it's just to have a conversation with you, really, about the, um, the two coffee brands. Yeah. And basically just to get a bit of behind the scenes, really. Um, so okay. From what I can understand, they were launched in, in January 2018. That's and correct. It was two new coffee concepts, Peak Street and Crack on Hum. Um, now, from doing a little bit of research, um, I saw that it took nearly two years of development yeah. to get to get the coffee brands kind of up and ready to go. Um, what would you say was your most difficult challenge, or you know, the most difficult challenge throughout that process? Obviously, two years. I mean, for, for such a for such a, a big project, anyway. You know, even yeah. if you develop one coffee brand, let alone two, it's going to take that time. But was there anything significantly that you kind of that was a challenge, but you, you know, you kind of learnt from one brand to the other, or were they both created at the same time? Uh, they were, in fact, they were both created at the same time, and I think mm. one of the key key drivers for us was the fact that we could see year-on-year -year growth um, across the UK coffee market, and over uh, the last probably 10 years, you know, it's been continually growing at around 6 and six to 7%. So we knew that the demand was, was there. And I think one of the points that came out of all the research that we completed was that um, consumers were wanting great quality coffee wherever they were. So that could be from a, from a vending machine, from a cafe, or from a restaurant. Um, we know that the, the high street brands have had huge success over, over recent years, but we were starting to reach a point where clients uh, were saying to us, we, we like all the trappings of a high street brand, but we want something a little bit different. And that was really where both, both Peak Street and Cracklin Hum came into, came really onto our, onto our range. So, we knew that it wasn't it wasn't going to be a one size fits all, so we developed two very distinct offers that had very clear identities. So Peak Street was very much aimed at the sort of the more value seeker end of the end of the market, and Cracklin Hum was positioned more as an artisan type type brand, and we purposely developed all of the, all of the collateral that sat around both of those brands, really putting those consumers right at the heart of everything that we did. So 
Um, with crackle and hum, we're using we're using traditional espresso machines um, where there's an opportunity to add second blends, so we can offer greater choice to the consumer. And then with Peak Street, it's very much about delivering a great tasting quality cup of coffee at speed. So for that band, that particular brand, we're using semi and fully automatic machines. So even um, on a campus that might have two different offers, we could put the two together, but they still have very much their own their own identity. Yeah, yeah. It obviously sounds that it was important for you to kind of approach the two different sides of your consumer you know, in a way that was going to attract them. Um, and I know that I have seen here that you worked with um, Allegra and surveyed 20,000 consumers. Yes. Was that something? And what what were you hoping to find, you know, what was your main thing that you were hoping to find? Because obviously, you know, in this day and age um, with social media, for example, you know, everything, is, social media is saturated with, um, you know, consumers' opinion. And so very often you will hear people saying, um, you know, talking about big uh, high street kind of coffee giants saying, you know, they want more from this, they want more from that. And as you said, you know, you found that a lot of people wanted, um, you know, they wanted great coffee wherever they were. Um, but yeah. You know, to survey 20,000 consumers, obviously you're looking at two different coffee concepts. What were you hoping to find? What were you... What was the main thing that you wanted to kind of hear back from those consumers? To kind of, did you already have an idea and you kind of needed a confirmation, or was that well, really the initial stages? I, I think initially, um, you know, we, we approached each sector of our business um, one by one. So we did a specific um, research. Uh, with with each of the consumers um, and the clients within each part of our business, because we knew from the high street that it wasn't going to be a one size fits all, but we wanted to understand what those key motivators and drivers were for consumers around where they purchased their coffee and why they purchased it there. Because for us, um, you know, we um, we're open from first thing in the morning right way through to the end of the day, so. What was, you know, if consumers were purchasing uh, their coffee on the way to work, what was the motivators for doing that? Was it around convenience? Was it around quality? Was it around brand um, allegiance? So we really wanted to understand what was driving the customers to do what they do. And the Allegra research really helped us to get under, under the skin of the consumer and ask, ask those questions. And I guess that really then started to shape what came um, and what has then developed into these two these two coffee brands. And I think that is, you know, that is so important, um, as you just said there, that it enabled you to then start shaping the coffee brands, you know, from um, the consumer's kind of opinion and, and their, you know, their ideals. Absolutely. And I, I think one of, the, one of the challenges that we faced when we started to look into what insight was available, a lot of it is very much, it's all driven on the high street. So, you know, the way that people 
the way that consumers behave in the workplace is often very different to the way they would on the high street. So, for example, you know, many coffee purchases in the morning is driven by um, is driven by habit. You know, it's habitual. So that you know, typically most people will come into the, their office space, they'll turn on their laptop, and while they're doing that, the first thing they'll do is grab a coffee, or it's the first thing they do when they walk they walk through the door. So we know. You know, it, it's also used um, as a sort of like a refuel. It's used as a pick-me-up because people need stimulation and they, they want that sort of caffeine hit. And we know that as they go through the day, their their need states change. So typically, we see you know people will will indulge in a coffee in the morning, but then may move on to more indulgent things, more indulgent drinks towards the end of the week because, you know, it's nearly the weekend and they've had a tough week. Or we also see an increase in tea consumption in the afternoons as well. So people that maybe want to reduce that caffeine hit but want to want to have something that tastes great, and this is really where uh, green teas and infusions and so on are really now starting to show some really significant growth and have done now over recent years where we're seeing double-digit growth coming from different teas rather than just simply, you know, black English breakfast. Yeah, and I think actually that's really important because just from um, a small, you know, personal bit about me this week, I went to a coffee shop um, after work and um, I overheard a lady ask for um, chamomile tea and the, the woman behind the counter said, we don't do chamomile tea. She said, okay, she said, could I have some, um, I think it was peppermint tea. And they didn't have that either, you know, and, yeah. it, was, and it was a huge, a, a big coffee giant. And, um, you know, that kind of stuck with me. You know, it, it is significant, especially as you said these days, it's becoming more and more, you know, in demand to have drinks like that. Yeah. And um, yeah. so I think that is very important that you picked up on that because it's definitely something that should be on offer. Wow, that's so interesting to hear firsthand all of the different processes that you have to go to to reach the finished product. Well, this is it. Uh, as consumers, it's very easy to forget that in order for these brands to be on offer, uh, a huge amount of planning, analysing and attention to detail has to be implemented. Uh, I really wanted to capture the uh, kind of initiation of these ideas before they become a reality. I really think you've done that. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, guys, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to come back next week where we'll be listening to more from Miss Lovegrove, including the extensive coffee training process. Thanks again. Bye for now. Bye for now.